Hi, I'm Chesney McKinley-Severance. I am from Mississippi, and I live in Aarhus, Denmark. And I'm Weldon Gorey, also from Mississippi, and I live in Nice or Saint-France. So, Weldon, let me ask you, <laughs> how is your French coming along? Yeah, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I had taken French in high school and college, uh, but it really prepared me more to talk about uh, Baudelaire or Racine uh, than to ask for a haircut. And I think the only French person I've spoken to in the past six months is the guy that delivers our groceries. Um, and, and he's wearing a mask at the time. So uh, I don't I don't know that I still speak French. Uh, <laughs> how's your Danish? <laughs> well, um, as per usual. I can read it just fine, but I am not very good at speaking it at all. And part of that is because Danish is not exactly phonetic. It has all of like the Latin alphabet, um, but very little of the like Latin pronunciation. So like, um, I'll give you an example. Sure. The word for, for day in English is day, D-A-Y, and right. the word for uh, day in Danish is day, D-A-G. D-A-G. <laughs> so, and even though I know that it's pronounced day, when I'm looking at it, or it, I just say, I still say- You want to say dag. Dag. I want to say dag. Yeah. And- when you don't have people around you to reinforce, not dag, day, <laughs> uh, you just kind of, you know, your your instincts and natural inclinations take over and you're like, oh yeah, fry dag. And you're <laughs> like, what? What are you talking about, fry dag? Uh, no, day. It's day. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean, French, of course, has is famous for its uh, superfluous letters and everything. Um, but mm-hmm. at least in you know, if I'm reading the news, I, I do subscribe to Le Figaro, uh, so mm-hmm. I've kept up with my reading French. Uh, but I can't really pronounce stuff good. <laughs> um, and it, there's also the problem that uh, you know, words have do they have gender in Danish? French is, of course, really big on on gender of nouns, and um, it, it, I I don't know the gender of baguette. I guess it ends in et, so it's probably feminine. Probably but, feminine, yeah. But I guess every time, and I'm always wrong. And there's this um, inability of French people not to correct you. Um, oh no! Yeah, it's. I mean, I get it. It's it's a different word, you know. It, uh, but still, it's. Uh, I mean, it's helpful. It's helpful for when people do say, no, no, wrong, wrong right. ending, wrong, wrong gender. Uh, yeah, uh, at least it's not Dieter Das, though. Oh, right, right. The neuter also. Yeah, yeah. And the German. The dative and stuff, all that. For, for as structured as German is, it's surprising that Dieter Das is so anybody's guess. Right. Do your uh, do your kids are they picking have they picked up Danish or are they uh they they have been in school so they are picking up Danish um my youngest two like to speak it more than my oldest but uh yeah they're they're good at reading they're good at reading too and they're good they're 
getting there with their their speaking. So <laughs> that's that's good. What I find, I find myself, I am a really good at ordering coffee in <laughs> yeah. several different languages. But what I find when I'm learning a language is I need to see somebody's mouth. Yes, yes. I need to see how they form the words so that I know how to form the words. And I need, and I also need to just see their mouths to understand what they're saying a lot of times. Never mind that there's like a barrier. Right, right. But if uh, with when someone's wearing a mask and I, I can only go on the muffled sound and not the shape they're making with their mouth, it's, uh, it's very difficult. Yeah, and I find that this is true and even in English-speaking countries that have foreign-to-me accents. Hmm. Like, like when, the UK or... Specifically Singapore. Like, uh. I did not like speaking with people on the phone in Singapore because I found I found it very difficult to, to understand what they were saying, whereas I, I spoke with them in person. It was much easier. Um, and I... I imagine it was probably just as difficult for them to understand what I was saying yeah. um, as well. And it, when, I, but, when I lived in India, um, this was before the pandemic, but a lot of people wore masks just because of air quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Hindi, you distinguish between like the and ta. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely have to see like see what what shape your mouth is in. It's like the difference in pearl and fat is a uh, moti and moti. Oh, the the plosives. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah. Plus, like, what's fascinating to me about Scandinavian languages is that they use their their tongues in an entirely different way than anywhere else I've seen in Europe. Yeah. And yeah, they kind of make these, I don't know, there are some words that seem to make like almost a bowl shape with the tongue. I don't know any Scandinavian, I, I think of it as a bunch of hu and flu. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to be able to say it. So this will be comedy gold for like... <laughs> for the Danish audience. <laughs> for, the, for the Danish audience and any of the Scandinavians. I know my daughter gets a real kick out of it. Um, how badly I pronounce this. But there's this dish... dish or um, <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. Grol, grol, me fleul. Grol, grol, me fleul. Grol, grol, me fleul. Fleul. <laughs> and it's kind of like it's it's the it's it's the phrase that the Danes try to get you to say. Oh, like to nice like, like nice white rice for people uh, from the south, <laughs> right? Or or like um, <laughs> an English speaking person trying to get or uh, trying to get a German person to say squirrel. Oh no, that's that's cruel. <laughs> yeah, but what's even funnier about that is the German word for squirrel is just as difficult to oh, pronounce no. oh, for, no. for English speakers. Uh, my my <laughs> wife had a South African colleague uh, who was um, doing some sort of uh, this was long before Joe Exotic, but he was doing something with saving tigers, 
Um, but the sort of Afrikaans accent is Toiga. Okay. And he kept trying to say to his counterparty, you know, I'm working to save the Toigas. The, the what? <gasps> the Toigas. You know, Toiga. Roar! Oh. <laughs> so you can eventually make yourself understood. Um, there's also this problem that, that f- for me, that French has these, I don't know, I guess in high school I thought of it as this kind of delicate language, but there's all these montor guy like like way back in the throat sounds <gasps> that i i can't even really get out I, I sort of choke when i'm wearing a mask trying to say them like i'm reading a uh a historian right now this name i think it was designed to hurt me it was andre le roi Gourin. yeah you do kind of there are some there seems to be some french words where you you push like the tongue against the the soft palate yeah and you kind of <laughs> choke yourself a little bit I don't a know. little bit yeah it's because there's a there's an arabic consonant uh that mm. westerners have trouble with and the textbooks mm. say uh if you know french say mercredi and that's okay. the the but but try to start yeah. try to start a word with the first r in mercredi and uh the, that's more difficult for us wow yeah <laughs> but i Aside from the not being around people yeah. to learn a new language for the past year. Oh, my God. And then add on top of that, when you do get out to see people, there's this physical barrier between you and them that is this mask. Right. I often wonder what exactly, how how far back we've we as expats or people who are trying to acquire a new language, how far we've been sort of pushed back in our learning processes. Uh, that's a, that's a good question. And it, it strikes me, um, this may not apply as much in the Germanic countries, but you know, the French don't believe in personal space. That's not, that's not really <laughs> that's a, a, a concept for them. And so it's, 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 Difficult, I think, for Parisians to maintain uh, the the meter distance because that's just mm-hmm. not how they operate. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was was Denmark. Is that more of a personal space sort of country? Um. Well, <laughs> they have been very fastidious about marking like the spaces on the. If you walk through like a mall or mm-hmm. a grocery store or anywhere where there could be many people in a line of some sort or milling about, they've pretty much like metered it off for you so that you have a visual reminder all of the time to like stand back. And after a year, like people have really just gotten used to that separation and giving, giving each other a very wide berth. Hmm. Um, So that is something that I've noticed here. I think, but I also think, Maybe it, this is probably a stereotype, but I also mm-hmm. think of, of, you know, French and Spanish and Italians as, as like being very warm. And that has a lot to do with proximity, I feel mm-hmm. like, like personal proximity to people. Whereas I think I think of Northern Europe as being much more reserved yeah. and kind of into personal space. Yes, uh, that that's my experience. Like, do do Danes? I, I would imagine don't do the kiss on the cheek when they meet. 
Not an, in my experience, although it's been a really long time. It's kind of <laughs> like fading to into the mists right, of true. memory. But, um, I mean, here, the rare times I do meet people, like, I, I can tell it's, like, physically painful for them not to do that when they, they meet someone they know they know again, you know, to to not do the, the cheek kiss, the, yeah, the umbrasse. They do that here, but it's generally with people you know, at, you, you've at least met a few times. It's not like a first time mm-hmm, or, you mm-hmm. know, it's not an acquaintance type of greeting. It's a, we know each other reasonably well kind of greeting. And I don't know if that is native mm. to Denmark or if that is something that they've kind of imported it's from. A, it's a fairly cosmopolitan their... country, right? Denmark. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know if it's a if it's a traditional way of greeting people in Denmark or if it's something mm. that they've kind of imported from their travels. Right. Because I know uh, it, it, farther east, they, they go back to kissing, like in uh, Eastern Europe in and Russia. Russia, yeah. There's, even, there's this weird place. phrase, uh, three for the living. when you <laughs> and, and I don't know whether you're supposed to kiss dead people twice or four times or what, but uh, I've never really asked. I just... <laughs> your culture yeah <laughs> when it when in rome um, um so what what people do is the uh here in paris i think the elbow tap has won out over the the toe tap oh yeah i don't yeah, know which one uh if, if one of them is in the lead in in denmark or not again social distancing i mean i think we're uh a namaste kind of <laughs> kind of uh folk here um if i again if i know somebody well enough to to feel like i can we're we're cool with invading each other's meter right little <laughs> space we might get a, give an elbow bump but yeah. um yeah usually if i don't know somebody very well it's like a head 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 nod and a and a prayer <laughs> stance so yeah it's it's definitely a really weird time and i'm i'm really looking forward to it being over um i don't know if you saw that the i think it's the eu president has said that they're going to open or some countries will open up to americans who have been, um, have been fully vaccinated and like kind of shockingly soon wow um wow i mean i know I can say Paris without busloads of tourists is is kind of unrecognizable if you know the city normally. Um, mm. It's just the there's no crowds, uh, almost no traffic, um, and of course nothing's open uh, because wow. no local is going to go to the Hermes on the Champs Elysees, right? Like <laughs> no. That's kind of that's kind of crazy because I have been I've been to Paris twice and it, while not like Tokyo kind of crowded mm-hmm. it's still it's still a bustling metropolitan area so are you telling me <laughs> that all of those people that I saw milling about Paris not actually Parisians <laughs> actually tourists uh, it depends on on where in the city um so there's both the lack of tourists, uh, but also everyone who can telework mm. uh, rented a, a cottage out in the Loire and Ooh. got the hell out of town. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And I'm really <gasps> wishing we had done that <laughs> at this point. Yeah. 
But I mean, how how often is your wife in um in in the office these days? That's the thing. So uh, they're about to go back to four days a week. They're at one mm-hmm. day a week right now. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess where everyone Europe is acting like this is the tail end of it. So you, I guess we'll see. Do you think that's true? I've uh, learned not to underestimate Mr. COVID. <laughs> I guess my feeling is, is like, I think we really have to see what the winter will do and how the vaccines hold up Yeah, against the winter. Yeah. I mean, I, and do we, we still don't know if this is going to be a once a year shot, like the flu versus right. uh, this is like the measles where that you're immune for, for a long time. Yeah, 10 years or something of that nature. I recently learned you're supposed to get boosters for, you're supposed to get an MMR booster every once in a while. So that's the beauty of being in the military is that I I got all those boosters in my 20s, which probably means I need them again now. Well, the way the reason I found out was because I I went to my my general practitioner in Germany and he was like, "When was the last time you got a you had your MMR?" I was like, "Pretty sure when I went to college, so yeah. I'm done." <laughs> like, oh no. no, you need you're probably too behind now. I'm like, what? These are things that they don't tell you in the adulting guide. So true. Like, I don't. I was. I just thought that that was like a childhood thing, and then once you got your boosters a couple of times you're pretty much done with that but no you have to keep going back for more shots which i was game for but it was i was kind of i mean i knew like tetanus was needed a booster but just for some reason like it just didn't occur to me that i would need one for measles mumps and rubella I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I know I know how I know how vaccines work, and I know how viruses work. You know, like layman's working knowledge of how these things work. But I don't know why. I just didn't know. <laughs> I somehow made it through many years in the United States of going mm-hmm. to the doctors with none of them saying, "When was the last time you had a booster?" Yeah, I mean, and it's it's interesting how much uh, overseas travel forces you to be aware of that and you know there's countries that won't let you in without this or that shot um yeah, yeah. I, I was lucky i got the smallpox shot in the marines because um uh, it makes it easier to go to india if you've had that um does that one need a booster no i think that one's for life i think that is i think probably that is true because once you have because it never goes away, right? My understanding of like chicken pox and smallpox is like it's always in your system. I think so. I mean, that's how shingles happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, doctors kind of, whenever they see my smallpox scar, they're like, were you born in 1936? Like, why, why do you have this? <laughs> yeah, my mom's got one too, I think. Either that or polio. Does polio also leave a scar if you were injected, or was that the sugar cube one? I don't know. They had both, um, Salk and Sabin, right? Mm-hmm. One was a yeah. sugar cube. I think the other one was just a normal injection and didn't, I mean, didn't particularly leave a scar. Yeah. The one that really left a scar on me was anthrax. Which, what? Uh, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I, I read now about, oh, 40% of the military doesn't want to get the COVID shot. You know, whereas when I was in there, 
their method of persuasion was shut up and stand over there and like roll up your sleeve, you know. You're in the army or yeah. Air Force, Navy, Marines. One of the you're in the armed services now, son. Shut up and do what you're told. That's how the, that's uh, how we convince you to do things. Exactly. The corpsman who was giving it to us was like, dude, it's totally safe. It's totally safe. Don't worry. Um don't don't prepare anyone's food for seventy two hours. It's totally safe. Uh, yeah, but but you know. Isolate for the next three days. Yeah, exactly. Just to be safe, and uh, and also because you, you can't move your arm. With yeah. Everybody else. <laughs> also, don't use the latrine with everybody else. <laughs> exactly. It's probably not a thing to do. <laughs> well, luckily we they don't do the mass group showers in the military mm-hmm. anymore. That's uh, something we don't miss. <laughs> and that is how you can tell I've not been in the military, and I salute <laughs> those of you who who have been or are. So yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy times. 